0: Hey y'all, my name is
1: Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emanuel and Hooksett. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Uncovering, uncovering bitter roots, uncovering bitter roots. Um, I shared with you that a number of years ago, I think it was two and a half years ago, that I went away to a counseling retreat. Uh, and, and I know that most of you know this, but there's, there's folks here that, That haven't been here through the beginning, and and I want to explain why we're we're going through this series. Because bitterness, bitterness is a poison, And, and the Bible teaches that it poisons you, which is bad enough. Would you agree? Anyone ever been poisoned? Raise your hand if you've been poisoned. Right? Is it fun? Not fun. When I was a young married adult, uh, uh, we had Kirsten, so it was a couple of years into our marriage. I played softball, which by the way, there's a meeting today after the service. If you're a man and you want to play softball 16 years and older, uh, meet with Ryan after the service. Are you meeting up front, Ryan? Wherever you are sitting? Where are you sitting? You're all the way back there. Meeting up front? Yeah. Anyways, I played softball, and to say that I played is kind of uh, generous, as I wasn't very good, and I finally hit the ball and I got into a pickle. You know, is that what it's called, a pickle? So the guy at home plate had the ball, and the guy at first base had the ball, and they're throwing the ball, and I'm like, (laughs) and I had one thing going for me I was fast. I was really fast when I was younger and I made it. I dove for first, for first base. I mean, really lame that I'm going to pickle between. I don't know how that happens, but I dove for first place, and I slid, and I got a raspberry. I don't know which arm it is, Trish. I got a raspberry on my, you know, that bony protrusion there. Gary, do you remember this? This is Gary Peralt. He was a part of our family 30 years ago. He left for Wisconsin. They planted a church out there in their home, uh, visiting some people. He, he had to bury his brother this week, um, but was a longtime member of Emanuel, and he was one of my youth leaders. And so make sure you say hi to him at the end of the service. You can't miss him. He's got a bright red shirt on, and his wife Jane is with him. He played softball, but he played on the good team. Uh, so you probably don't remember that because I played on the bad team, which beat the good team. Remember that year? We will never let you live it down. Probably because I got out of that pickle. Well, anyways, that was a Monday night. Tuesday, my wife and I are visiting people in the church. And we're at, I don't know where we were at, somebody's house. And I'm just like, dude, my arm is really sore. Like really sore. I must have pulled a muscle or something when I dove for that base. Which makes it even more lame right? Pulling a muscle, playing softball, bad. So I look at my arm and I have this stripe going up from my elbow all the way up under my arm. It's like this wavy stripe and it's about an inch and a quarter wide. So I'm like, wow, look at this bruise, trash. She's like, holy smoke. Whatever, I'm a guy we just going to deal with it. It hurt. That was hurting under my arm, like where your lymph nodes are. And so uh, we go to pick up K-Dog from the babysitter, which was her uncle's house. And I'm just like, it's really bothersome now. I'm like, Man, this is just annoying. So I show it to the people that are, they had people visiting them from their church. Just a God thing here. And the guy's like, dude. You gotta go to the hospital, that's blood poisoning. We had a guy step on a nail and he had a stripe just barely up his calf and the doctors were freaking out. Because if it gets to your heart, bad things, bad things happen. Like you could die. (laughs) So we go to the hospital and the nurse, who is the world's worst phlebotomist, They look at me like, we gotta hook you up to an IV, give you a couple bags of antibiotics. She's going to stick the needle in my arm. Seven tries. Seven! My lion, Trish? Five or seven? Oh, don't blame it on me. (laughs) Claims my vein kept jumping. So she's like sticking me. And then she's checking my blood pressure, and she's like, dude, you're, you're going to have a heart attack by the time you're 40. You need to learn how to calm down. I'm like, you, you calm down. Poison. If you don't deal with the poison. Elaine. You're sitting on it, it's not going to fix it. And... Yeah, Noelle, can you fix that for her? (laughs) You know what? I'm really glad you mentioned that because I didn't put mine on Do Not Disturb yet. Oh, Lord, please help us. Welcome to Emmanuel. You never know what's going to happen. The point of that story is if I had just ignored which I was going to do because I'm a guy, and that's just what you do, whatever. If we didn't run into that person at her uncle's house, I mean, I would have gotten very, very sick and maybe have died. And that is bitterness. That's what happens. It's a poison. It begins with this root, and it can kill you. It can kill your walk with God, but it also corrupts those who are around you. This poison impacted not just me. It impacted my family. I lost a day of work or so. I, lost some I tried to go to work the next day because nobody told me not to except for my wife, and she doesn't count. <laughs> She's not a doctor. The doctors forgot to tell me you should probably take a day off till this clears up. So I go to work. I'm working a physical job. I'm sanding. It must have been my right hand. I'm sanding a countertop. I'm breaking out in a sweat, I'm feeling like death, and I go in the office, I'm like, Troy, I don't, I don't think I should be here. I feel like I'm going to pass out. I go home. My fever went from 103 to 98 to 103 to 98 to 103, and I mean, I'm just like, I remember laying there thinking, Lord, I'm ready to go home, but I don't think it's, I don't think I should yet. I'm making this, I'm bargaining with God. I'm like, I still got Kirsten. I got to take care of her, and like, I'm ready to go, but I don't think you should take me. I really felt like I was going to die. That is also a guy thing. So we don't deal with our, our troubles, but when they come, we think we're going to die. Got a cold, I'm going to die. Bitterness, it's a root. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward... When he wanted to inherit the blessing, which, remember, he sold, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. This is a danger of bitterness as well. When we allow bitterness to grow into our heart and it breaks the surface, you can get to a point where it's, it's almost too late. You don't want to deal with it. You've been nursing a grudge for so long that the thought of rooting this tree up from your life is anathema. It makes no sense. It's dangerous. This is why we're preaching it. If If there's a root of bitterness in your heart, rip the root out before it becomes a tree. And it's not just about you, is it? It's not just about you. It will harm many others in your life. You're nursing a bitter heart. You're nursing a bitter root. And you're selfish in doing it. Because holding on to that bitterness is more than about you. It's about everyone that you're influencing. Well, our journey so far. I'm going to go through this really quickly. Uh, and first of all, I want to tell you that uh, our sermon archive is on youtube.com slash Emanuel Hooksit. You can also find it on our website, EmmanuelHooksit.com. You can find our podcast, which has each of these Sermons in this series on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google podcasts. Just look for Emmanuel Baptist Church or Emmanuel Hooks it and you'll find it. Okay? Uh, I don't want to spend an unbearable amount of time reviewing, but really quick, here we go. Bitterness destroys our influence for good. Bitterness destroys our influence for good. When we looked at that passage of Scripture, what did he say? Pursue holiness. With all men, without which, right? What do you say? Without which, no one will see the Lord. When we are caught up in bitterness, our influence for others is greatly diminished. Instead of being a light shining in a darkness, Jesus talks about you are the light of the world. And no one has a light and puts it under a basket. Well, can I tell you this morning that the basket is bitterness? You say, oh, the basket is just me hiding my testimony. Well, it may be that too, but I'll tell you, according to the Scriptures, we lose our influence. And in fact, not only do we lose our influence, we influence the opposite. We influence the opposite. Bitterness destroys our influence. Bitterness, synonyms for bitterness, resentful embittered, aggrieved, dissatisfied, disgruntled, discontented, grudge-bearing, rancorous, spiteful might put vindictive in there, spiteful, morose, churlish, petulant, and peevish. And no, it's not just teenagers. But the fact that we have so many adults acting like teenagers makes me think that there's a lot of bitter adults. We talked about the best way to beat bitterness is to kill it before it starts. And to kill it before it starts means that you need to walk with Jesus every day. Every day. Not just looking under Jesus as an example. He said, Look under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And when he says look, it means to stare intently at, avoiding distractions. That's hard, isn't it? Has anyone ever gotten down to pray? Like you're going to seriously do some prayer. And immediately, you're distracted. Is that just me? I mean, your, your thoughts are coming into your mind. And you're trying to focus on Jesus and praying. Uh, but the next thing you know, you're focused on this and you're focused on that. And, and, and as a pastor, then I start focusing on everybody else. And God's like, focus on me, boy. You need to confess some sin in your life. Sin is driving a wedge between us. Stop thinking about everybody else. Talk to me. Killing it before it starts is walking with Jesus daily. And it's not just his example, it's his very presence in your life. That light in your life will reveal darkness that needs to be cleansed. It's a beautiful and supernatural thing. Killing it before it starts. Well, We also went over bitter root stories. The story of Naomi. The story of Naomi is she changed her name to Mara when she got back to Israel. And Mara means bitterness. And her bitterness seems to have been caused by unrealized expectations, circumstances out of her control, and loss. And instead of taking these to the Lord, and instead of allowing the Lord to minister to her, she appears to have nursed these wounds held them close to her and what was the outcome of her bitterness what did it cause she hurt those around her the most grievous hurt was when she sent her her daughter-in-law back to her gods it says and to her people imagine that for a moment we are called to reach the world for jesus Israel was supposed to be a nation of prophets and priests, priests to bring the world to God. And she did the opposite. Bitterness caused her not only to lose her influence, but to drive this one daughter-in-law away. Praise God for Ruth. Ruth was stubborn. And she went with her mother-in-law And eventually was an agent of grace in her life where she was recovered from her bitterness. Amen. Simon the sorcerer. We looked at Simon. His story is that he was a man of renown. Very powerful in Samaria. And Philip brought the gospel to Samaria. And people were coming to believe in Jesus. And the necessary result of believing in Jesus is not believing in Simon, not trusting in Simon. Simon was a man of absolute renown and power and influence, and he did these tricks. And they thought he was a great man of God. Philip comes in, reality hits, and Simon does what? He loses his influence. He loses his standing. He loses his power. So what does he do? He gets next to Philip, Professes salvation, he's baptized, and then what happens? Now listen, Philip's doing miracles. There's some great things happening. He attaches himself what to Philip to the power. He attaches himself to the power, and then the apostles come, and the apostles are laying hands on people, and people are being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You want to talk about a miracle? People get caught up in the sensational. I want to see somebody raised from the dead. I want to see somebody miraculously healed. I want to see a mountain moved. Simon knew the truth here. Those are all amazing things. But more amazing than that is the filling and anointing of the Holy Spirit that all of us have. So he said, hey, Peter, how much are you going to cost me to be able to get this gift that you have to fill people with the Spirit? I got a lot of money. And Peter reveals to us that he had a bitter heart. He had a bitter heart that caused him to think he could barter with God. To think that he could purchase from God a calling and a blessing. You can't purchase callings and blessings from God. Well, Peter, when we talked about Peter, what do we discover about Peter? Peter got taken to task by Jesus because Peter was trying to stop Jesus from going to Jerusalem to die on the cross and rise from the dead. In fact, Peter essentially said, Over my dead body, will I let you I'll die first. Let me go to Jerusalem. If he had accomplished that, the world would remain lost. And so Jesus looked at him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you love the things of man instead of the things of God. You have a heart for the things of man. You have a mind for the things of man instead of the things of God. And so we asked the question well, what do you think caused Peter's bitterness? And, and the conclusion we drew was your way, your way, Peter's way, wasn't Jesus' way. Peter's plan wasn't Jesus' plan. Now, listen, there's people in ministry, they don't get this sometimes. And this drives me crazy because there's business church and and, and sometimes business church, they go by Walt Disney's uh, strategy for growing a church. And, and I've heard this so many times, and it drives me absolutely insane. Dream, a, dream so big that only God could do it. Really? How about we just obey? If he, it, let's just do what he tells us to do. We don't have to manufacture dreams. If he gives us a vision, follow that vision. But we don't have to we don't have to manufacture some giant dream, so giant that only God could do it. Can I tell you something? <clears throat> Anything that is good only God can do. Whether it be big or whether it be small. Did you catch that? It doesn't matter how big it is. If it is good, it is God that is accomplishing it. Giant church, small church, giant ministry, small ministry. If you see one soul come to Christ, guess what? It's not because you had a, Small dream. It's because God was in that. If you see 20 souls come to Jesus, it's not because you had a dream so big only God could do it, because only God can save a single soul, whether it be one or whether it be 3,000. Our job, I think, is to get out of the way most of the time. Just get out of the way. Be obedient. Moving on. What was the cause of his Bitterness. He denied Christ three times. He denied Christ three times. What else happened? His language went into the hole. He cursed and he said, I, I know not the man. He lied and he denied. It didn't stop there with Peter. He went fishing. And that's a sin because it's gross. And I am a guy and I am a man and I love sports, but I hate fishing. But no, fishing is not a sin. But Jesus called Peter to be a fisher of men. And Peter was not following the call of God. He went fishing for fish. And he wasn't catching any either, because God has a great sense of humor. Peter went fishing. And then there's this, King Saul. We didn't talk about him, and I'm going to give you a brief rundown of King Saul. Lord, it's already 11.17. So disappointed at the time right now. It's because angels sang too many songs and verses and stuff. King Saul, here's a good assignment for you. Read First Samuel chapter eight through First Samuel chapter 31. and read the story of King Saul. Saul was an amazing man ordained by God to be the king of Israel. And Saul blew it. He blew it time and time and time again. And it's of Saul that when you read the Bible, God says to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of lambs. One of Saul's grievous sins was disobedience to God was rebellion to God. In fact, was worshiping the people of God instead of worshiping the God of the people. And you'll learn that when you see that he sacrifices when he did not have the authority or position to do these sacrifices. And he makes the sacrifice. You'll see that when he doesn't follow the orders of God, when he goes into battle and he saves all of the best sheep and Animals, and, and he says to Samuel, well, We saved them so we could sacrifice them. After he lied to Samuel about obeying. And when he repents, he said, I have sinned before the Lord. And, and, and he, he, he comes into this place of confession, but it, it interested me as I was studying. How, um, in his repentance, he does what a lot of people do. In fact, he probably borrowed it from Adam. Lord, it was that woman which you gave me that caused me to sin. He said to Samuel, I was afraid of the people. I was afraid of the people. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you're more afraid of the people than you are of your God, and I mean this, we, listen, God is immense. And we should have a healthy, godly fear of God. And the reality is he feared man rather than God, and that's an act of worship. That's an act of worship. The God's voice is described as a thundering waterfall or lightning in the sky. And, and I remember when Trisha, one of my bucket list things was to go to Niagara Falls, visit Buffalo, which was you a know, rich stadium, which was better and more important, in the falls, but then to go to the falls. Anybody been to Niagara? How would that make you feel? Small? Right? If you haven't been to Niagara, I recommend it to everybody. Supposedly the Canadian side is better. Maybe the truckers will let you go on that side. I don't know. We went to the falls and the railings get you pretty close to the edge. And there's people that fall in and die every year. I think they're just dumb people. Because as you come to that railing, that rushing water and that sound, it's reverberating within you. And there's a healthy fear. You don't want to get into that water unless you're an idiot. We need to have that kind of awe for God. Saul didn't have that. Saul's awe was, awe was wrapped up in the people, his position. And he blew it. And he blew it over and over. It was caused by, in his your way isn't his way. Right? Think about it. Saul wanted to do this, and this is how he wanted to do it. And he was supposed to wait for Samuel. Samuel wasn't showing up on time. Anybody ever feel that way? Where's God? Why isn't he here? Samuel's not showing up on time. So I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. Sounds like Peter. It was caused by jealousy of David. David was anointed by God. He was made a commander in the kingdom of Israel by Saul. Saul elevated him. And then he comes back from battle, and the women are singing and cheering, Saul has slain his thousands. Woo! And that's awesome. Saul's slain his thousands. But David has slain his tens of thousands. And then Saul's like, wait a second. How did this happen? I'm the guy. I'm the guy. He began to become jealous. Bitterness curdled his heart to the point where, what what did it cause? He slaughtered a city of priests, the city of Nob. Read through this passage. Read through the whole thing. The priests there had helped David. And for doing that, Saul had him killed, and then the rest of the priests in that city killed. Can you imagine becoming so bitter, so bitter that you are killing the priests of God? How does that translate? Can we bridge that to this century? How many people are so embittered that they destroy their churches? It's got to be my way, right? Ever hear churches going through that? It's got to be my way, my way, me church. How about going after pastors? Pastors? And I'm not talking about pastors that are idiots. I'm talking about going after flawed men, but but good men of God. Constantly attacking, constantly pointing everything out that's everything out that's wrong, constantly, constantly needling and going and going and going. Folks, that's how you bridge that to this century. His envy, his jealousy, his discontent, his way. Poured bitterness into his heart, eventually got to a point where he was destroying the things and the people of God. Got quiet, but we'll just go on. He tried to kill David two, three, twice, and then another time. Threw a spear at him. In fact, he screamed, "I'm going to pin him to the wall with a spear." And he was a big man. He was a strong dude. He was about head and shoulders taller than the average Israelite. He was a big, powerful man. And David escaped him, tried to kill God's anointed. A friend and a mentor. That was who Saul was to David. Turned into a bitter enemy. The end of Saul was brutal. And a tragedy. He had a, he fell on his own sword and killed himself rather than be killed by the enemy. His son had been mortally wounded and died, Jonathan. His other sons were dead. Saul and all of his sons were killed in battle, Saul falling on his sword. His armor bearer fell on his sword after that. And then the Philistines came in. Philistines, Amalekites. His enemy came in, found him, chopped off his head. Dude, this is a bitter, you want to talk about a bitter end to someone that did not, did not take care of their bitterness. Chopped off his head, dragged his body, hung it outside the city. Bitterness destroys you and impacts those that are around you. What happened to his sons? They were slaughtered. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And then we talk about bitterness that's caused by the harm from others. And for this story, I'm going to take us to a contemporary person. Someone that's a friend of mine. His name's Len. Len was a pastor in Keene, New Hampshire. He was, he was a, he was a he came to the Lord at Tabernacle under Pastor Elam, good friend of our church. He was sent out, went to King. The Lord used him to build a great church out there. It was miraculous. Great, well, again, any church is miraculous if God is in it. But he built this church. He fell into pride. He passed the church on. He came back. I think he came back to Tabernacle, and then he wanted to go out and start a church again and in um, in Concord. So he went to the the group of people, the Baptist Bible Fellowship. And he said, I'm ready to go back. I want to start this church. And they said, we don't agree with you. You're not ready. And his heart turned bitter. And you say, Pastor, how can you name him by name? This is really terrible because he's given his testimony in this church. He shared this. Here is a man of God who was a pastor anointed by God. And then he was told no. And he wanted his way. God said, That's not my way. Not now. He got so bitter, he walked away from God. He walked away from church. He didn't pray, he didn't read his Bible. He just went on living as if he didn't know Jesus. A manager at KFC in Tilton, right? His first, was it his first grandson was born? Pam's oldest. Remember Pam, the sweet, innocent woman that kept messing with my cup holders? I mean my, what do you call them, Coasters? His son, his grandson, was born so ill, so sickly, that he was going to die. They rushed him to Boston Children's. Boston Children's required Pam to sign a paper that said that if they couldn't save him, that they, could, that they were going to receive his body for science. Okay? The only way they would agree to attempt to save this child was if Pam signed the child over to them if he should not make it. So now you're thinking, well, maybe they're just not going to save him on purpose because they want his body, but that's not the case. They worked hard. You know what? The Lord saved him through all those medical professionals, and he barely has any consequences as uh, from the, the trial of his birth. Lives in Tennessee now, right? Len was telling me that the 20, well, it's more than 20 years ago now, but when we shared, he shared the story. 20 years ago, he said, My grandson is in Boston Children's Hospital. And this is what bitterness did. I couldn't even pray for my own grandson. you imagine that? He said, oh, that would never happen to me. It happened to Len, who was a pastor, a man of God, and a godly man who had seen God do miracles in his his life and in his ministry, and he couldn't even pray because God's way was not his way. Bitterness destroys the works of God. For 20 years, he lost ministry. The good news is he was redeemed. At the root of all of these roots, as I've considered it, what I see is pride. Pride. Because God is not operating the way we want God to operate. And so we end up stealing the throne of Jesus. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. He is your king. And when bad things happen, and when we don't get our way, and when people hurt us, when we're disappointed, when our expectations aren't met, and we allow bitterness to grow in us, we are kicking Jesus off of his throne and taking it for ourselves. This is what we're doing, and we are judging God, that if God was good, he wouldn't have gone to the cross, Peter, right? Right? Taking Jesus off his throne, stealing his throne, taking it for ourselves, thinking that we are wiser than he is. Job is a great example. Job is a great example of this. He's confronting God, and he's hurting, and and I haven't sinned in any of this, and he's having this argument with God, and then God says, okay, Job, let's have a conversation. It's going to be one-sided. And God points out to Job the Leviathan, this giant sea creature. And God asks Job, can you control the Leviathan? You know what Job said? Nothing. When Niagara starts talking to you, you just stand there and listen. He pointed out the circuits of the air, what we call today the jet stream. I'm pretty sure Job didn't even know there was a jet stream. He said, can you control the currents of the air? You know what Job said? Nothing. And God points out all of these things that are under God's control, that God is dealing with, things that you can't comprehend, things that you can't see, future things, past things. He's pointing this out to to Job. And Job wisely said, nothing. Nothing. More like a, yeah, I was wrong. I shouldn't not have even attempted to question you. And this is what happens when we allow bitterness into our hearts. We, we think we know better than God. God, why didn't you heal me? Why didn't you heal her? What's wrong with you, God? If I were you, I would have healed her. Do you know better than God? Kick him to the curb. And let me clarify something about people that have been harmed. Lest we extrapolate from something from this something that I didn't say. If someone has harmed you, done horrid things to you, they should be held responsible for their actions. But you should not be seeking vengeance, revenge. You should not have a vindictive spirit because it will harm you and others. You give them over to the Lord and to the government. There are some pastors that ignore the fact that God has ordained the government to punish the evil. Understood? Wives of your husbands are abusing you. That's evil. Husbands, if your wives are abusing you, that's evil too. Responsibility. But you don't need to live your life condemning those who harmed you. Paul said this Alexander the coppersmith hath done me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his deeds. And when Paul said that, he knew Alexander was wrong. But he said, Lord, take care of it. And in doing that, Paul was relieved of bitterness and anger and resentment and trusted that God knew Alexander and his circumstances better than Paul knew him. Okay? God, you take care of it. Government, you take care of it. The absurdity of stealing the throne of Jesus. Do you see the difference between the two? This is what we think we are. Right? What does it go back to? The P word? Pride? This is what we think we are. We think when we kick Jesus off his throne, that we, we can fit that throne pretty well. But it's more like this. We're children's we're children sitting on our daddy's lap trying to drive the car, can't reach the pedals. Do you remember doing that with your children? I let Nate drive, let Chloe drive. Were they driving? No, they couldn't reach the pedals. Were they actually steering? Barely. <laughs> this is what happens. We try to take Jesus' place. We try to, we try to stay in the judgment of God, and we fail. We fail miserably. We judge God. Turn to your Bibles really quickly. I'm going to finish this. Exodus chapter 15. So Moses brought Israel out from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. They're wandering for three days in the wilderness. They've been freed from slavery in Egypt. God parted the Red Sea and drowned their enemies, right? Are those pretty impressive things? They saw God do some amazing things. But now they're thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. And they're whining. Now, when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara for they were bitter. Where Naomi got her name, Right? Uh, therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses. He, they, these people saw the ten plagues of Egypt. They saw the waters parted. They saw God was protecting them and guiding them. And now they're complaining. So he cried out to God. He cried out to the Lord. And, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And he made it. He made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. The bitter root of judging God. Not only do we kick Jesus off of his throne, but then we begin to judge God himself. Unmet needs. God disappointed us. He didn't heal us. He didn't get us that job. He didn't stop that harm from happening. We sit on the throne, and we're not just condemning others, as we talked about a few weeks ago. The bitter root of judging others. Reaping what you sow, right? Right? Now we're judging God. We have the gavel. And we have declared God to be guilty. He is guilty. And this is what bitterness does. We judge God. I can barely judge people. And by judgment, I mean discern Everything in their hearts and motives. We think we can judge God. Oh God, you're not acting according to your character. Really? Who are you to judge? Go back to Job. Who are you to judge? The Israelites coming out of Egypt, judging God, judging Moses, condemning both. You you brought us out here to kill us, they said at one time. Why did you do that? My father bringing us here. Well, we sit in judgment of God as if we could possibly understand all that he knows, sees, and does. During these wilderness wanderers, wanderings, Israel became bitter and they complained and they dismissed the miracle of the Red Sea. In my notes, I wrote, forgot, but I don't think that's possible. (laughs) They didn't forget. They dismissed it. And we do the same thing. God, we see God moving in our lives, and we see amazing things, and then we're disappointed, then we're hurt, then we don't get our way, and we dismiss the good things God has done in our lives. They They dismissed the drowning of their enemies. They became consumed by bitterness, and it affects all areas of our lives. But there is hope. We end every sermon with there is hope, there is hope, there is hope. I, I wanted to read this illustration because it's so powerful and so important. And go back to verse 25. He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Are you consumed by bitterness today? Have you been struggling to get free of that bitterness? The Lord has shown you a tree. You have bitter waters in your life. You're drinking from these bitter waters and it's poisoning you and it's poisoning those that are around you, but God has shown you a tree. That when you throw this tree into the waters, the waters are made sweet. The waters are made sweet. And this is a type of Christ. The tree is the cross. It's a foreshadowing of the coming of Jesus, his death, and his burial, and his resurrection. And if you're struggling with bitterness today, when I say there's hope, I mean there's hope. A true permanent cure for bitterness is the tree on which Jesus died. His sacrifice made for you and me. Christians, you have experienced that at one point in your life when you came to God for forgiveness of your sin and you recognize that Jesus, the Bible said, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. And Jesus took the curse of all of our sin on the tree with him. Do you remember that day? The greatest miracle the world has ever seen is when Jesus saves a soul from sin and death and he gives to them eternal life And brings him into his family. Do you remember that day? Do you remember that day? Or have you dismissed it? Oh man. Y'all need the tree. Stirring in your bitter waters. Oh God, this is what I'm bitter about. This is what's happened. Uh, Forgive me for judging you. Forgive me for judging others. God, do the work. Cleanse me. We've talked about doing the work. Dig in. Find out where those roots are. Find out what caused them and bring it to the one who makes bitter waters sweet. Bring it to Jesus. Hey, all Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, EmmanuelHooksIt.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.